Good morning, and welcome to 1410 WIZM, The Plant Doctor Show. My name's Mike Meyer, and I'll be taking your calls and answering your questions about pretty much anything that's green or growing. And I want to take the chance and wish everybody a happy uh, Easter. And it looks like we've got some nice weather out there. And, you know, I I had this entire show planned out since... Uh, tomorrow's Easter. I was going to talk about uh, gardening with kids and everything else, and we might get to that. But I've been seeing this commercial on TV, and I've been seeing it on the Roku channels. I've had it come up in Facebook, and I figured this is something that we might want to talk about today. Uh, seeing that it is springtime, and a lot of people's uh, interest is going to be going toward towards their lawns, and I had a rough night last night, didn't get much sleep, so I figured I'd sit up and do a little bit of research for the show, and I started researching this company that I've been seeing all over the place, and uh, the name of the company is, uh, let's see, where is it here, Sunday, and it's spelled just like uh, Sunday, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And uh, it's called The Sunday Way. And this company is selling products uh, to take care of your lawn without harsh chemicals and uh, such. And I watched the commercial and I'm like, oh, boy, this is not good. Because I could see a lot of people uh, falling for the, uh, you know, advertisement. They definitely make things sound so promising and... They put down all those nasty chemicals that other companies use. And uh, this way here, you can do it yourself and, you know, uh, not deal with all those other chemicals. And I looked up uh, the company, uh, some of the things that they're wanting to do, uh, their plan for your lawn, and uh, I also looked up the uh, products that they uh, push on you. And the main thing is, is they're using hose and sprayers to apply most of these products. Granted, they do have some granular fertilizer uh, that they use, but uh, most of it's done through uh, a hose and sprayer. And that's... Uh, this gadget that you attach to the end of your garden hose and you walk around and water your lawn with it. Sounds really easy, right? Especially, you know, hey, much better way of putting down fertilizer, you would think. And, heck, the uh, a lot of the pro- professional companies use liquid app, uh, you know, uh, applications as well. But it's not quite that simple. The professional, uh, you know, uh, lawn keepers, uh, like I used to be, uh, we are trained to spray a lawn, and you know to think about it right off the you know without any knowledge of what really goes into it, you would think you know anybody can go out and spray uh, water on their uh, lawn. You know, no problem whatsoever. I can go out and water my lawn, and yeah, you can. But when you start adding chemicals to it, it makes a big difference. And I can prove to you that. You shouldn't be using this product very easily. Uh, go out and take a bunch of empty soup cans and uh, place them throughout your lawn. And uh, go out and 
walk your lawn with your hose spraying and do not aim it at the soup cans. Just move your arm back and forth spraying as you would naturally, uh, thinking that you're, uh, you know, spraying uh, the lawn with fertilizer. And then go back and look and see how much of a difference you have in each can. You see, the professional lawn care uh, people, uh, it, it takes a lot of training to put down an even amount of liquid when you're walking across the lawn. You've got to know when to start and stop the spray. You've got to know what pace you need to take and uh, how much uh, pressure is behind it. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of things that go into the equation. And just go out and, you know, if you're just watering your lawn, that's one thing. Uh, then, you know, if you get one place a little bit heavier than the other, okay, yeah, it, it works out in the long run. There's no big, you know, what uh, to do about it. When you start throwing chemicals into the uh, nine yards, especially fertilizer and weed control that's based on iron, it makes... All it's the difference is day and night. Now, iron is their uh, chief ingredient that they use in their uh, weed control. Now, which does work. Uh, chelated iron does have uh, some, uh, you know, post-emergent capabilities of, uh, you know, keeping the weeds at bay. Some weeds. Uh, it does a great job on uh, certain weeds like uh, clover. Uh, maybe some chickweed, uh, stuff like that. On plantain, the effects aren't as much. And plantains are stuff that has that kind of like a leaf lettuce look that comes up in the middle of your lawn. Uh, and also the good old dandelion. This stuff here, you can spray the dandelions with it. They'll look like they're dying, but they recover. Because dandelions have a long taproot, and uh, which uh, stores up a lot of moisture inside of it, and it basically repairs the plant before it's going to die. Uh, from what I've been understanding uh, with the different companies that have used iron for uh, weed control, is they have very little, if any, dandelion control uh, in the long run. So uh, you know, there's a few reasons why you don't want to use this stuff. And looking at some of the other products that they're uh, pushing, too, they have one for, uh, oh, wait, that's a fire permit. I don't want that right there. Uh, they have one for uh, all weed control. And let's see here. I know I've got it here somewhere. Here it is. They call it Sunday Weed Warrior. Grass and weed killer. And mind you, they're pushing this stuff uh, like it's not a uh, chemical. Uh, the chemicals that the professionals use. And I'm looking at the active ingredient, and the active ingredient is ammoniated soap of fatty acids. And for the layman to look at that, they're going to say, oh, okay, soap, fatty acids, fine and dandy. You know what that is? Glyphosate, the exact same active ingredient that's in Roundup. In fact, if you look at the Roundup uh, label, it will uh, first say glyphosate, 
which is the chemical name for that, then it will say ammoniated soap of fatty acids right next to it or something along those lines. So they're trying to pass off stuff as being safe and or safer than what the professionals use. And it's quite frankly pretty much the same stuff. And it's going to wind up costing you a lot more. And also, uh, the stuff that they're using for fertilizer is weak. It's very, very weak. Now, you're going to see a very quick green-up because the iron that's mixed into the weed killer. And chelated iron acts as a, it's a fake greening of your lawn. It'll turn your lawn a beautiful, rich green, but it only lasts for a couple of days. And then it fades away. And the same thing happens to the weeds, too, for that matter. Uh, some weeds it will knock out, but most weeds it will not. And I would stay away from this place like uh, the plague, very honestly. Uh, I'd avoid it with every ounce of energy you have. Uh, it's going to be a waste of money and a waste of your time. And uh, you can actually wind up doing some damage to your lawn, too. So, again, the name of the company is uh, Sunday, and I would just uh, not bother, save some money, and go from there. Okay, we've got one caller coming in, and we have two open lines. I don't know if we have any texts yet or not. Let me jump over here and check. Uh, Do we have any texts? Uh, No, we do not have any texts yet. The number down here at WISM is 608-785-7914, so go ahead and give me a call with any plant or gardening questions. And let's see here. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hi. See, I had some questions about uh, planting some seedling trees. Okay. So I've got some, um, I did a pH test, and it's a little uh, high of where I want it. It's around 7, mm-hmm. and I thought that they should be more around the 6, 6.5. How do I get that pH down in the, in the soil for that? Okay. What type of uh, trees are we looking to plant? Um, some balsam fir and some plum. Okay. Uh, as far as the balsam goes, they love high pH or a low pH. It's actually, it, high acid is a low pH. It's, it's weird. But uh, they love the acidic soil. So uh, and so being right around 7 would be fine for it. Uh, as far as the, you said a uh, uh, plum tree? Was the yes. Other? Uh, that one uh, likes it a little bit... Uh, around more of a neutral uh, soil, so around six. Uh, And the way that you can counter that is by using limestone. Uh, Granular limestone will uh, go ahead and sweeten up the soil, but mind you, this is not like putting down fertilizer, uh, where, you know, you put down fertilizer and it's readily available to the lawn, uh, you know, for the grass plants to take up and uh, use as their food. In this case, you're making a chemical change to the uh, soil itself with the limestone. And that change takes time, and it usually takes anywhere between four to sometimes eight months, depending on the amount of uh, moisture that goes into the lawn, to uh, make that change. 
So that's why most of the time people will put down limestone in the fall, allow it to winter over, and then come springtime, your lawn's good to go. Uh, now, in this case, you're talking about, you know, uh, for trees, but at the same time, you know, the same thing is going to apply. Now, uh, when you tested your soil, how deep did you go? About six inches. Okay. Uh, because uh, testing soil for lawns and testing soil for trees are two different things because they're basically two different addresses. You know, one's living up on the uh, surface of the lawn of the soil, and one's the roots are much further down. Six inches, you're starting to get down to the area where the roots are going to be at. Uh, I would even go a little bit deeper than that and go down about a foot, and you could have a remarkable difference, too. Uh and the deeper you go, the longer you're going to have to wait for that chemical change to occur. Now, one way of sidestepping that issue would be to add some, uh, you know, the area where you're going to be uh, planting the trees. You can go if it, you know, you really need to sweeten up the soil. Uh, go ahead and loosen it up and turn it over with the limestone, you know, put the lime over the top then work the soil, turn it over, and mix it up. Dig it down as, you know, as deep as uh, the root ball is going to be and uh, incorporate it into the soil. It's still going to take about at least four months for it to work, but at least that way there it's not going to have to work its way down to that level, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And um, I, I, I got what you said. For, like, fertilizer, like a... I, I was thinking about using a spray-on fertilizer for them uh, once I plant them. Do you, do you have any recommendations for that? Okay. Uh, when you plant a tree, or any plant for that matter, when you're transplanting, you never want to fertilize immediately. Never. Uh, because you're going to be dealing with bare roots and, you know, uh, freshly cut roots. And those uh, roots endings... Uh, need to stay fresh and grow out. Uh, you know, that will anchor it into the lawn. It'll absorb uh, moisture and, you know, uh, make the tree healthy. Uh, if you fertilize it right away, the salts in the fertilizer will cauterize those root, those freshly cut roots. Uh, it'll cauterize them, just as, you know, uh, pouring salt on a wound would do. That's why it burns so much when you do it. And uh, it'll work against you. So when you're talking about uh, doing a tree, I would wait about two months before I would fertilize it. Do All right. Type of fertilizer. Now, uh, if you're talking about doing it in the summer, doing the planting uh, late summer, uh, going into the fall, I would not fertilize it at all until the following spring, because if you fertilize uh, too late in the uh, fall. You're, it's the same thing as giving the kid, uh, you know, a nice big slab of chocolate cake right before they go to bed, and they get wired. Well, the same thing's going to happen to your uh, tree too, and uh, it, where it's supposed to be hardening off for the winter, it's going to stay awake, and it's going to keep pushing out nice new succulent growth, which is, you know, fine in most cases, except for when the tree is supposed to be hardening off for the winter time. And uh, you'll wind up uh, damaging the tree severely that way. Okie doke. 
Yeah, so what kind of fertilizer would you use once uh, once you go past the two months then? Okay, uh, for a newly planted tree, actually, I myself uh, used to use miracle Grow, believe it or not. And I didn't spray it. I mixed it into a bucket, a five-gallon bucket, and I just, you know, dumped it around the uh, base of the tree. And yeah, I see. that does a very, very good job. Uh, just like the miracle Grow that they use for, like, uh, exactly. fruits and vegetables, your garden, yep. your garden. Yep, same stuff, okay. same stuff. And uh, that's uh, much better for a newer plant uh, that you're popping in the ground. Once a tree becomes established, and, you know, it's uh, had like a season or two of uh, roots, you know, growing out from it. Then you can switch over to uh, tree stakes. And tree stakes, you pop down in the springtime. You put them uh, underneath the drip line of the tree. That's the outermost portions of the branch, uh, the branches. And uh, you do it, you know, in the same circular pattern around the tree. And uh, generally you put them about two feet apart. Uh, for a new uh, seedling-type tree, I would put them out about a foot away from the plant and uh, in the four points of the compass, uh, north, south, east, and west. And uh, you should be good to go there. Okay. Okie dokie. Yeah, and then, see, uh, i got one other question for you, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Uh, so if I was, if there's some grassy areas where I wanted to plant this, Mm-hmm. Is it okay to spray, like, uh, Roundup or something on there bef- uh, a week or two before I plant uh, the trees? The bare root, uh, yep. tree- bare root trees? Yep. Uh, actually, you're, if you read the label of Roundup, it says you can uh, plant the day after. And that's true. Roundup is contact. It uh, goes down through the plant and uh, down to the root. It doesn't go down to the root and up through the plant. So uh, it'll uh, you'll be fine doing that. Okay. Okie doke. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate okay. it. No problem. Uh, good luck with that, and you have a great day, sir. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. And yeah, uh, that's uh, a typical question I get this time of year: uh, people wanting to uh, plant trees, and it is a good time of year to plant trees. Personally, I like to do it in the fall because you got a lot less uh, stressors and things like that going against them. Uh, you don't have to worry about the heat and humidity of the summertime, droughts and such, because uh, usually through fall and winter, you know, rain's a pretty more regular uh, occurrence in our area. And so, you know, Mother Nature will usually provide the uh, moisture that the uh, tree needs. That's the other thing, too, that's extremely important whenever uh, transplanting trees, be it bare root or root ball or what have you, you always have to make sure that it stays well watered. That's number one priority. And you have to do it uh, until the trees get very well rooted. So, you know, if you're doing it in the fall, I recommend doing it until the ground freezes. Not a frost on the surface of the uh, grass, but the actual ground freezes. Uh, so you got to keep that in mind, uh, that you're going to have to have a water source for the trees until that happens. Uh, if you're doing it in the summertime, you're going to have to make sure that you're able to water that tree throughout the summer months. Uh, if you're planning on going away for vacation 
and you know for a week or so and uh you know it's a hot dry period you're gonna have to have somebody come over to water that otherwise you might come back to a dead tree so just something to think about there okay uh that pretty much wraps up the first half of the show when we come back after uh our break we're going to take a dual talk about uh you know getting kids into gardening and uh some ideas about that but we'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM, the Plant Doctor Show. In just a couple of minutes, give me a call, shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. You know, in this day and age uh, where it takes either a miracle from God or an act of Congress to get our kids away from uh, their tablets and PCs and TVs, YouTube, video games, uh, we as parents... We need to seek out new ways to encourage any outdoor time for them. And I've got a way that will not only have the kids running for their sneakers and jackets to go outside, but don't let them know it's educational as well. And uh, as long as it's done right, uh, kids will look forward to doing this every year. And if you do it wrong, uh, well... The kids may still get a lot out of it, but they're going to look at it differently, at least until they mature. And the one thing that you always, when introducing kids to gardening, you want to make it fun. Don't make it like it's work. Uh, once a kid learns that something's work, they can love doing it all they, you know, with their entire being. But once uh, they get the idea that it's actual work, they lose interest really quick for some reason, especially when they hit the teenage years. But uh, we'll get back to that in a little bit. Uh, now, springtime always brings back memories of, you know, going out and watching mom and dad do their thing in the uh, garden, the garden. Uh, cleaning up the stuff the winter had damaged, getting things ready for the uh, warmer uh, summer weather. And a lot of that, you know, just watching Dad doing, you know, uh, chores, I thought of it as work already. And But as I got a little bit older, I realized there were more labors of love. My father actually loved going out and doing this stuff. Now, it wasn't work, but it was actually recreation instead. And uh, that's the idea that you've got to get across to them, that it's fun to do it. It's a good thing to be doing. And, you know, not get out there and, you know, moan and groan about the heat and humidity and sunlight and, you know, all that stuff. And mosquitoes. But it uh, looks like we got a caller coming in, so we're going to go ahead and jump back to the phone lines. Uh, we still have one open one, too, at 608-785-7914. Good morning, Ian. Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Uh, this is Dean, Mike. Hey, Dean. How's it going? Uh, not too bad so far. What can I do for you? Uh, I'm just wondering. I think it's probably okay, I'm not sure, to put down, like, crabgrass preventer and, like, grub control. Okay. Uh, or is it warm enough, you think, or No. Okay, is your lawn actively growing yet? Oh, no, no, no. It's getting green, but it's not, no. Okay, uh, the key for the grub control or grub preventer is what you're... Now, first off, uh, you're going to have to make sure... Did you buy the product already? No, I haven't. Okay, good. 
because there's two products out there, and you use the word control. That's not the one to put, that you're going to want to put down. You're going to want to put down the preventer. Preventer, okay. Uh, that's the one. It's got the active ingredient, and generally uh, imidacloprid, uh, the same thing as merit. And uh, it goes down, uh, it comes up into the plant and makes the plant inedible to the grubs. And they eat a little tiny bit of the roots and they die and you have no more grub issues. Okay. Uh, the control is a product like Dilox that you would use, okay, yeah, I've got grubs that are out there destroying my lawn, I need to kill them now. Mm -hmm. so, well, I don't, but I thought, well, I should, mm -hmm. you never know. <laughs> But uh, regardless, uh, that needs to be put down after the lawn is actively growing. Sure, sure. Okay. okay. Now, as far as the crabgrass preventer goes, you've got a ton of time. Uh, the lawns are still extremely cold. Uh, yeah. The soil temps, uh, we have not had any warm nights yet. Now, they're coming, and they're in the forecast, but still not to the point of where it's going to warm it up enough for crabgrass to start to germinate. Uh, sure. The crabgrass germinates when the soil temps are about 65 degrees. Soil temp, okay. not air temp. And okay. that usually happens towards the end of May. Uh, okay. If you've got like a long sidewalk area or something like that, a uh, blacktop driveway with the uh, grass growing right up alongside of it, uh, those areas are going to heat up a lot quicker. Because, you know, the uh, blacktop or the concrete will, you know, hold the heat. Sure. But, uh, you know, out in the middle of your lawn, you've got plenty of time to go. Okay. Plenty of time. Okay, and, that's that's good to know because I thought, well, it's starting to warm up, but that doesn't mean exactly. the soil is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Okay, well, very good. Okay. Well, I'm glad I could help you, and you have a great day, Dean. Well, thank you, Mike. You too. Have a nice Easter. Same to you, sir. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And that gives us uh, two more open lines at 608-785-7914. And good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hi, this is Dan. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Good. Um, I found a new program, and this guy was telling me to use Epsom salt and on my grass. Let me take a guess. PBS? Yeah, Epsom salt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, what? I better call. I better call you today and see what you have to say about that. Okay, Epsom salts will kill some weeds. Okay, the way it kills the weeds is the same way as salt will kill your lawn. Uh, and there is a fine line between getting the, the weed that is less salt tolerant than your lawn. If you have uh, a weed that's more salt tolerant than your lawn, like say ground ivy or creeping charlie or violets, uh, you'll wind up killing your lawn long before those weeds die using Epsom salts. Uh, Epsom salt is generally used in gardens and uh, a way of uh, weed control in the garden. And, uh, again, you don't want to uh, get it up against uh, right on the uh, um, the crop plant either. Uh, but you know, just put, He was just putting it on, right on the lawn. He said you put it in your spreader and spread away. Huh? 
Oh, if you're putting it down light, it may have some weed control capabilities. Uh, I would think that Oxalis, uh, maybe Clover will get kicked out by it pretty easily. But you go into some of your perennial plants and your more uh, hardy uh, annuals like uh, dandelions being perennial, uh, plantain for your hardier annuals, uh, those aren't going to kick out easily at all, especially ground ivy or violets. Uh, those you're not going to have any success whatsoever with. No, hmm. oh, well. Okay. Fertilizers. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, this stuff was cheaper, so. Uh, yeah. You know, it'd, it'd be great. A bag, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. 25 to 30, so. And, you know, if oh, you well. think about it, and I know these people have their hearts in the right place. Uh, I normally advocate the uh, use of chemicals uh, right away because when people call into my show, they've got a problem, and I'm dealing with the actual problem and not, you know, uh, a preventative uh, way of, uh, you know, keeping something from becoming an issue. So it's already an issue by the time I get a hold of it. So a lot of my answers are go with the chemicals because it's a lot quicker and, uh, you know, more economical that way. But, you know, I know these people have their hearts in the right place, and they want to go green and uh, organic and natural and everything else. But if you think about it, the go into your grocery store and look at the all-natural products compared to the regular products. Uh, be it produce, be it um, uh, meats, or, you know, what have you. I guarantee you the organic-type products are going to be at least 50%, if not much higher in price. And that's because those products don't work that well. (laughs) And they wind up having a lot of stuff dying, and the farmers have to make up for that by raising the prices which gets passed along to you, you know, the end user. So, yeah, uh, yeah most of these all-natural products are organic products. Uh, there's a shred of truth behind them, but not usually. As long as you use the chemical things correctly, uh, use uh, the least amount that you can get away with, and... It's much better for you, for the uh, your landscape and everything else in the long run, very honestly. Okay. All okay. right. Thank you. Okay, Thank Daniel. You. you have a great weekend. Bye. Bye-bye. And, yeah, that goes with a lot of these. Uh, you see all these uh, products, all natural and, or organic, and you've got to be really careful with organic, that word, too, because... Technically speaking, and trust me, these companies go with the technical aspect of it a lot of the times, so they can hide behind their words. Uh, They will say organic instead of all natural. And let me tell you a few things that are organic. Gasoline, organic. Poison ivy, organic. Cyanide. Organic. Arsenic. Organic. Uh, Yeah, in fact, uh, a lot of the weed sprays and stuff that I have on my truck are organic. 
all organic means is it is derived from active ingredients that are carbon-based. That's all the word organic means. It has become known to mean natural, but that is not the true definition of organic. So uh, whenever I see that uh, term pop up, I you know the little hairs, the spidey senses go off, and it makes me want to research that product that much more. Okay, uh, I think we're going to take a little bit of a break here and take care of a little bit of business, uh, maybe even a little bit of weather. But we've got more than enough time to answer any uh, phone calls that you might have. Uh, questions about anything green or growing. It could be about your lawn, gardens, trees, shrubs, houseplants, what have you. And uh, give me a buzz or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we will be right back. Uh, we got one uh, phone caller coming in and more than enough time to answer a couple of questions if you happen to have one about anything green or growing. Go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Can you turn down your radio, please? Are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning. You're on the Wayne Doctor Show. <laughs> yeah, I um, last fall I was raking my yard, and there's a small area, oh, I don't know, probably 10 by 10, that uh, the sod came up. It was everything was green and growing, but it was it looked like new sod that it, nothing was attached to the dirt. And uh, before I reseeded, I was wondering if you'd give me some tips on uh, what what might have gone wrong. Okay, run that by me one more uh, time, please. I'm sorry. Run that by me. Uh, what uh, did you do again? Okay, what, last fall. I was raking my yard, raking okay. up the leaves, and there was a patch that when I raked it, the sod came up. Okay. Was that being raked by hand, or were you using a power rake? Or? Um, I, would, I, was just, I was using a garden rake. Okay. And did the uh, grass look green at the time of the raking, or was it brown? No, it was green. I had just mowed it. Um, it, it was green and growing. But it was like I said, it's a, it, it's an old lawn, uh, almost thirty years old. It was started from seed when it was started, and it's just this one patch on the edge of my lawn. My neighbor's yard was fine because I reached over and kind of tugged on his with my rake. Nothing came up. It's like it's right on the okay. lot line. Okay, I wanted to distinguish uh, something there, uh, and you answered my question for me uh, because a lot of times uh, if you reach down and grab a hold of the grass and lift it up, and it comes up very easily. It could be grubs right underneath the uh, soil surface eating away at the roots. Uh, but the other thing is, is there's another type of grass called bent grass that uh, plagues our area. It really hits older lawns, and there's a couple of different types of it. Uh, it's very similar to the same uh, grass that they use, believe it or not, on putting greens. Uh not the exact same type, but it grows the same way. And it grows sideways instead of up and down for the most part. And this stuff has really, really crappy root systems. That's why uh, the uh, golfing greens get such, you know, precise and perfect care. 
to make them, you know, uh, durable. And when you have this, uh, you know, grass that's barely got any root system to it whatsoever, you go and rake right over the top, what happens to you is what happens. It yanks it right up, and uh, you're left with the bear pot, bear patch. Now, what you can do to take care of that issue is, and I would wait until the fall to do this, especially if it's a larger area, is go out there and spray it with Roundup and uh, kill off the area and rake out all the dead material. Uh, you're going to have to wait a week or so uh, until you see it starting to turn brown, rake out all that material, uh, and then go ahead and reseed it. And if you wait till the late summer, early fall to do it, you'll have much better results. If you did it now, you're going to still get the seed to uh, germinate, but come summertime, you're going to have nothing but crabgrass in that area, which is even worse than the bent grass. Well, it's 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 bare ground now because I when uh, it came up last ground? year, I just pulled the turf off and threw it away. Ah, okay, so you're already down to bare ground. Uh, if that's the case, I would go ahead and loosen up the soil, put down some cheap, I wouldn't use like a total quick grow grass seed, if you look on the uh, package of grass seed, it has uh, ingredients to it, the same way as a you know a box of uh, cornflakes does, and uh, it breaks it down into different types of grass seed that are you know mixed into it. And what you want to look for is something that's going to pop up quickly, but be rather cheap too, and uh, a little bit longer, you know, uh, long lasting. To make well, the what I've got now is what they call lacrosse mix. Lacrosse mix is an excellent grass seed. Uh, you can go ahead and pop that down, but you're going to have to realize that most of this area you're going to have to wind up reseeding come fall, late summer, early fall, because it's all going to be uh, crabgrass anyway. So okay. you may want to save that good grass seed and go out and get yourself some uh, a mixture of uh uh, some of the quick rows are pure annual ryegrass that you want to stay away from. But something that's a mixture of regular perennial ryegrass and some annual ryegrass uh, mixed in it is better uh, because straight annual rye will die as soon as the temps get above 85 degrees. Okay. So you don't want that to happen in the middle of the summertime. Uh, so you're going to want to have some other type of grass, you know, that's mixed into it that you can fall back on. Okay? All righty. Thank and, you much. Yeah, and then come uh, late summer, early fall, just go ahead and uh, go out, hit it up with the Roundup, and uh, plan on reseeding that area. Okay? Sounds, sounds good. Okay, take care. Thanks for the question. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. And, yeah, uh, that goes for any uh, spring seeding job. And... Yeah, I wasn't sure if I heard him right before. That's why I had him uh, restate uh, his issue. But if it's grubs, you can go out there and you're going to need to apply a uh, grub control at that point or at this point of the year, uh, put down a grub preventer. But like I uh, told, uh, I think it was Dean before, you have to wait till the grass is actively growing before you even do that. Okay, we got one more call and about three minutes left to the show. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hi, Mike. This is Jeff. Hey, Jeff. What can I do for you? Hey, is uh, now a good time to split up endless summer hydrangeas? Uh, 
I'd rather do it in the fall, to be honest with you. Uh, going into the summertime, uh, unless you can really make sure that they stay well watered uh, going into any uh, hot, dry periods, I'd much rather wait until the fall to do that. Wait till fall? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. Okay. You take care. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. And it looks like we had a couple of texts, and we got about two minutes left, so let's go ahead and check these out uh, now. Uh, let's see. First, uh, Mike, I would like to hire you to give me suggestions on how to revitalize my lawn. You were here a number of years ago to photograph cicada killers in my lawn on Barnaby Road. Thanks. Oh, it's Jim. Hey, Jim, how's it going? <clears throat> okay, uh, I'm retired. I'm sorry. Uh, but you can give the company that I used to work for, and you know who they are, call, and uh, he can give you some good ideas on uh, how to take care of that. Okay, and uh, let's see here. Let's see. What lawn company are you affiliated with? I've had the same company for several years, and my lawn has not gotten better. Looking to try something else. Thank you. <coughs> Again. Sorry, I'm retired. Not with any company anymore. But uh, I don't like pushing certain lawn care companies on the air. Uh, the last uh, text message I was reading happened to have been an old customer, so I've got no problems, you know, referring them back to the company where I used to work. But... Uh, I don't like knocking other companies or, you know, saying which ones are better. Uh, I will say this to you. Do not be fooled by the size of the company. Just because it's a big company does not mean that they're any good. It means that they're good with their money. But it does not mean that they're good with the lawns. Uh, so, you know, the best thing to do is uh, let your fingers do the walking. Take a stroll through the yellow pages and, uh, you know, call up some. Invite them out to your lawn. Uh, 